0: Hello, I'm Kurt Weitzel and want to welcome you to the coolest and most informative podcast in the Westfield, Indiana area, What's Up Westfield. What's Up Westfield is a local chat fest to dig deep into politics, development, who's doing what, and anything else we can put into 45 minutes online. If you have a topic or an interest in being an amazing guest, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear your ideas. My returning guest today is the number two man and CFO of Westfield Washington Schools, leading the charge to grow responsibly a family man, and a great at-large candidate for city council. Please welcome Brian Tomomichael, the train, to the podcast. Hey, Brian, how are you today? Good, how are you? Good, thanks for doing my podcast again.
1: I no appreciate being invited on. It's the biggest publicated podca- podcast I get invited to, so I appreciate <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> I like to say it's the biggest podcast in Westfield. It's probably true. I think it's the only one right now. Actually, there's a there's a do you watch the high school kids one you're you I've seen, seen, that? seen it once or
1: twice yeah it's
0: awesome i bet they get lots of views so they're more kids are more interesting than us brian
1: they are i, I would agree with that
0: well so um you were on here before as a, a school authority and today i know you still have that job but today you're on it as a council uh candidate correct
1: yep that is correct
0: all right so we're gonna little different topics obviously um why don't you start by just telling us about yourself, your family, uh, who you are, and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so start off with the, you know, kind of already mentioned, so I am the assistant superintendent for business and operations for Westwood Washington Schools, so that is my day job. Um, you know, father of three kids, uh, married, uh, we just recently bought a new house, so just finished a rotation through selling a home, living in an apartment for a couple months and buying a new house. So <laughs> we finally have space again. So that's nice. But um, so my my background though, uh, accounting and finance degree, uh, MBA. So I've worked in public finance for the last 12 years. Um, I spent about a year in public accounting and then had an opportunity to make a change and made that change about 12 years ago and got into school in government finance at that time. So My wife also works for the school district. Um, She is our director of career and innovation as we work through that. And as the county transitions to the Pursuit Institute and the county career center style stuff. So, you know, we are fully Westfield at this point Yeah, right. on here a couple of years now. You know, we joke they go to a park and you see somebody, you know, from somewhere and it's just it's it's a pretty small town here, even though it is big. So it's it's nice especially considering I grew up in a, a small town in Beech Grove on the south side of Indy so mm-hmm. I, I grew up you know used to hop on your bike and you go ride and it was the get back before the lights come on type it's probably
0: a similar similar community uh 20 years ago you know
1: yeah yeah so I mean it, it feels the same and that's you know it's a fun place to raise a family
0: so um did you and your wife take jobs in Westfield about the same time or not
1: no. So I've been in Westfield schools since 2017. Uh-huh. Um, so I came August, 2017. Um, my wife and I both actually there for a little bit, worked for Mount Vernon community schools. And then I used to joke, she came, so I left. Um, <laughs> but I came to Westfield and then uh, she actually, she just started at Westfield January of 22. So oh, she okay. just, she's only been there a few months now.
0: So um, one question, Brian, what's your nickname? <laughs> Do you have a I nickname? Just-
1: just Brian. When I when I was a kid, uh, it was train because we used to play a bunch of flag football, and I, I'm I'm kind of a big guy.
0: You were the so train.
1: It was not fun to try to <laughs> tackle me during flag football. I
0: bet. Still, you're probably not fun to try to tackle.
1: No, no. I mean, I you know, I fall hard so.
0: <laughs> from under. All right. Well, I thought you might have a uh, uh, goofy nickname there. All right. So you uh, went to school for finance, or you went to school, and then you get into you went for a, uh, worked for a private company, correct?
1: Yeah, so I was um, so right out of school um, when I got out of school. The job market was not that hot, so I, I went and actually worked for um, like Kelly Temp Services or one of the temp agencies for a little while, and um, and got placed at Steak and Shake because their headquarters are downtown Indy before they got. Sold to Baglari. So I was there back when it was sold a little bit more. Before, okay. Yeah, mom and pop ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked there for about a year. My contract was up. And um, so all through college, actually. So during college, I worked on like grounds, custodial maintenance, and just kind of the whole back end of school systems, the operationally during college. Um, any extra hours I had that I wasn't in school, I would, I would go pick up odds and in hours cleaning stuff after a weekend event or anything I could to make a couple bucks. Um, So I kind of had some connections to the school and it happened to be about a year after I graduated, my contract was up with Steak and Shake, and I had a job offer from them to stay on full time and become an employee there. (laughs) And at the same time, Beach Grove City Schools, where I worked during college, their corporation treasurer was retiring so um, they reached wow. out to me and was just kind of like, "Hey, have you ever thought about working in schools?" And mm-hmm. honestly, at the time, I knew nothing about what a school business person did yeah. or that they didn't really had that department. It's just, I don't,
0: it's just teachers, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think most people, you know, put a lot of time to think that you know, like Westwood, Washington schools is a basically 150 million dollar business that runs every day and you know mm-hmm. is focused on educating kids, but it's a it's a large functioning business.
0: So when you're in college, do they are they guiding you towards uh at the education world, do you hear much about that or is it mostly private that they talk about?
1: No, so it's all private when we're in college. Um, we get one cost accounting class. And even when we took that one cost accounting class, I remember most people saying, like, you'll never really use this.
0: Um, <laughs> <would have> <laughs> yeah, so so it
1: was, so it's funny. So all that happened, and you know, I'm actually on the executive board for like our professional um indiana state business association group Mm -hmm. and we've been having actually a lot of conversations because the the pipeline of who's coming to work for a school um to be the business side is it's not a big pipeline so we've actually talked how do we get to the colleges and let Uh people that hey this is an option when you graduate and you could come work for a school system as well
0: so um you got hired on or you took the job at westfield what kind of um uh, what kind of management or work style do you think you have?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm really big into we're all adults and we know what our job is and let's get our job done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also I'm a big proponent of family first, just in life as a whole. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if your kid has a doctor's appointment or something going on at school, I expect you to actually be there before I expect you to be at work. Yeah. But at the same point, I expect you to get your job done because we're, we're professionals and you know what that is. So, you know, that may mean you need to stay a couple hours late one day. It may mean you need to stop in real quick on a Saturday to wrap something up. But at the same point, if your kid has a track meet on Wednesday and you need to leave a little bit early to get there, leave. Like, go, go make sure you're there for your kids. Um, you know, and then when you have different hours during the week, make sure you're here and getting your job done too. So, you know, that, that's kind of been my approach my entire life. um, of just how to handle things. And, and maybe I'm just fortunate, but I've always also had staff around me that buy into that approach. And, you know, they, they give that extra effort when it's needed. And also understand that when they need to have, you know, something emergency for a family pops up, I'm, I'm, it's pretty rare that we're, we'll say, no, like we need you here. Uh, So what is your team,
0: uh, as the CFO of the schools, who do you directly, uh, or who reports to you, or who 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 is your direct contact during the day?
1: Yeah, so my direct contacts are so in our case right now, um, director of operations. So Dr. Monoloon reports to me. Our director of technology reports to me, and then I um, oversee all finance. So um, you know our corporation controller, accounts payable, accounts receivable, our front desk, um, our We call them community liaisons, but really our two front desk individuals report to me as well. Um, And then, you know, kind of the subcategories of that, you get under director of operations, Dr. Monolone oversees transportation, food, custodial, Mm -hmm. maintenance grounds. So that kind of trickles up, but, you know, really, again, you know, most of that he's managing day-to-day pieces. And then the, the big piece being a growing school district, you know, I also oversee pretty much all the projects that are going on for us as well.
0: So, did you know when you went to college you'd be in construction management?
1: Uh, zero clue.
0: Yeah. So you just had to learn that on the fly, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that was luckily when you start in a smaller school, you you see a little bit of everything. Yeah. Gives you exposure, and I think one one of the biggest things that's benefited me is uh, just you know there, there's never a stupid question to ask somebody. You know, the, the better thing to do is to admit you don't know and ask somebody to explain it one time and then move forward. Don't don't sit in a room and act like you know everything. It's not okay. gonna serve you well.
0: So is um are you do you really spend much time in individual schools? Like are you ever at Cary
1: Ridge Elementary School? Um, does that part is that part of your work world? So not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I tell our principals, like if we need to have a meeting, I would rather meet at your building, but I'm also just in my role. I don't need to be in the building that much. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of just walking in your building like, Hey, just, you know, I'm going to go walk around now. Ignore yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so, but if we have a meeting, like, especially Cary Ridge, we're getting ready to start a project over there. Like Mr. Hilton and I will meet in his office a fair amount of times if we need to meet or we'll go, I like to go walk the buildings. If we're going to talk about a project in a building and not sit in my office and talk about a building, I'd rather see it.
0: Yeah. They probably like that too. I think so. Yeah. Get you on site every once in a while. So, all right. So you, the reason we're doing this podcast is you crazily decided to run for city council. Yeah. You are running for city council at large, correct?
1: Correct. Yes. All
0: right. What drove you or what was one of the big pushes to get you to run that you decide you wanted to run for council?
1: Yeah. I. So, I mean, I think. The easiest answer to that that I like to tell people is if you look at our current council makeup, and even if you look at prior councils, so it's not just even pointing a finger at this council, traditionally, it is older individuals or people who have families that their kids are out of school, um, their kids are in college, or maybe they have grandkids already. Um, so one of the things I like to point out right off the bat is just we have a huge population of young families that move here every day. -hmm. That move here because of the amenities we have, the schools we have, you know, all those pieces, but yet we have zero representation for them most of the time. So I I think that's important. And then also, you know, coming from the school system side of things, and you know, I have a government finance background. Most people up there generally don't. They, you know, we have a couple of finance backgrounds right now, and I do think that's good. Mm Um, but especially moving forward, I believe I'm the only candidate that has really a true accounting finance background that's running for council. Um, when we look at council, one of their main roles is to be the fiscal body. To me, it makes sense to have somebody that has a fiscal background up there. Um, and then the last thing, just, you know, as a growing school, we're going through a lot of changes and a lot of growth. And, you know, we'll even say sometimes the hardest thing about being a growing district is you're you're always trying to play catch up as you grow, Um, and I would say the school district honestly has done that a lot better than the city has these last several years. And I think just kind of having that knowledge and knowing the inner workings between the two and how, if we decide to, you know, tiff something or build something, how that affects the overlapping entities, I think we could get some real good efficiencies out of having somebody that just, you know, understands multiple roles in those worlds. So you, and the
0: other night at the council, uh, hearing thing, whatever it was debate, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a debate, um, you mentioned that nobody has talked about that. I think Noah might have, but nobody has talked about much uh, that young people run for council and there's a young representation needed. Um, yep. And it's true because we talk to counselors and they're thinking about their grandkids and stuff like that. And it's it'd be kind of nice to get more activity or more active young families involved in the council. What do you think? That, why do you think that doesn't happen?
1: you know so kind of speaking of the forum thing you know one of the first questions asked to the forum was how do you have time for this and Mm -hmm. you know i i almost find that question unfair in a sense of you're right i have three young kids like there's a lot of time there but at the same point we we've had a lot of discussions as a family and even on a work side of like if i do this that means i will have to divide my time up differently Mm -hmm. um so i think you know there's a big piece of that of I think sometimes individuals just look for people who may have quote more time on their hands, uh-huh. um, and I, I think that's kind of a, serves a disadvantage to those of us who are willing to make the sacrifices to put that time management in place. Um, and then I also think you know a, a lot of people. I always joke. We always say, "Oh, there's so many great people to run for council." And then as soon as somebody's like, "Yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll run," it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> not you." Um,
0: so many so, other great people.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it, it's getting over that hurdle as well sometimes, but. You know, I always joke and like the, you know, specific example I like to point out is I think it was maybe our last budget hearing cycle or something with the city of, there was a lot of conversation around like Westfold welcome, and what do they do and all those pieces and you know I found that to almost be one of the most glaring disconnects of just being a young person and a young family, like those are my kids, like number one target dates of yeah. things like, you know, pumpkin function or the yep. farmer's market and those different type of events down there or movies in the plaza that they're like, oh, we're going to go. And, you know, Johnny from class is going to be there, too. And it's going to be uh-huh. so funny. they look forward to those things. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not high school age yet. Even they, they don't care that there's a Friday night football game. My kids have zero clue when those are happening. Um, You know, they're concerned of when's Moana going to play on the lawn. (laughs) Um, So I think it's just, you know, I, I think when we think about what does representation look like for us on the council? It's important that we think of all the families that live here. Um, You know, and there's there's the need to have both ends of the spectrum of voices of young families and older families and people who have been here for multiple generations. Like all those are needed up there.
0: You know, I I live on the east side of 31. You know, the whole town's split by 31. And we'll go to Urban Vines, for instance, and it's mm -hmm. a whole world of people. I mean, it's young families that I don't know exist. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how many how in the last, I mean, literally five to eight years it's blown up like the the number of young families have shown up here. So it would be cool to get more of yeah. those young people involved in our council or even just the, the commissions, all the committees.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in our new house, we're on 171st in town in Westgate on the far west side. Yeah. Um, and when we moved in, we're like, my wife was like, ah, you know, do you think we're gonna get neighbors? Because we left a great community. And like, I think within the first few days, there's like five kids on our little call to yeah. set all like from nine to 13. Uh-huh. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of families, but even with that, you know, like, I think one of the families moved here from Idaho, another yeah. from Kansas. So they're, they're coming from all over the country. to come from yeah. Um, and, and you're right. They're, they're generally younger families or their grandparents and their grandkids just moved here too.
0: Is. So you're, uh, you're working hard. You moved to Westfield you decide you need to run for council. Um, what are some of the concerns that you have for our uh, our, our council? What are some of the things that weigh heavy on you that think um, you can
1: really be a, a part of fixing? Yeah, so. And I know you, it's kind of repeating, but. No, you're good. So, uh, you know, I, I like to point out that, you know, some people like to point out I'm, I am a newer resident, especially when I'm running against two people that I've lived here since I was 10 years old Uh (laughs) Um, that, you know, I've also been pretty heavily involved in this community for the last, you know, six years between Mm -hmm. student impact or the education foundation or just the school system as a whole. So I think, you know, the biggest things looking forward is, you know, our comp plan is pretty outdated Um, and, you know, just thinking from the comp plan for us is basically our strategic plan. So we're working off of an outdated strategic plan and making investment decisions and decisions on where things should go for something that hasn't been updated for multiple years when the community looked very different. So I think it's it's taking time to do that and it's taking time to do it the right way too. So actually getting community input, working through all those pieces, talking to, you know, talking to our economic development department, talking to the community members and taking time to do it the right way. I think it's looking at, you know, just how do we strategically invest our funds and where those need to be, you know, and talking to the fire chief the other day you know, realistically, I think when Noblesville and Fishers were our size, they had twice as many fire stations. Um, but then it's also planning backwards of, okay, if we want to add one fire station, it's going to take nine months to train the employees and to get a new staff in. It's going to take 18 to 24 months to get an engine for that fire station. And then you're going to be, you know, 18 to 36 months to build the fire station. So even as we start trying to address some of those issues, they're not they're not quick changes that you can just make overnight. It's mm-hmm it's systemic changes that take time to get in place to where you actually start seeing, you know, the fruits of your labor and the, the work that you had to put in to do it. So it's, you know, it's being consistent in your decision-making and knowing that it's not, it's not flipping a switch tomorrow um, as we go through it.
0: Do you feel like the, the city as a whole, I know it's been busy growing and I'm not, this is not a statement that nobody hasn't done anything, but do you think from a comp plan or just, uh, a planning standpoint, it's been stagnant and just sort of shoved to the side because it's been maybe
1: overwhelmed or. I don't know that I use the word stagnant because I mean, stuff has popped up. I mean, there's a new fast food restaurant every couple of weeks. So yeah. stuff is happening. Um, I, I think it's the intentionality of what we've done though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always like to say, let, let's decide what we want to be in a comp plan and let's go chase it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, my, my personal belief on growth is you either go get what you, you, you chase what you want to have, or you stand back, and we're going to end up with leftovers. Yeah. Um, so as we do that, I think we need to be very intentional on in what we want to go get. And you know, and actually, I would give our current council some credit of, you know, that means investing in the economic development department. Mm-hmm. You know, that means you're going to have to put some money to get those things you want to have. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also sitting down and having those conversations as a community to just—it's not 100% agreement. That's never going to happen. You're never going to get 50,000 people to all agree. But it's getting a general idea of, you know, we want to be this as Westfield. And then we want it to be, you know, in this area of Westfield, or we want this type of, you know, growth over here. And then let, let's go work with people and get that done. And let's spend the money needed to make it happen as well.
0: Do you think, you know, one, one thing our council has done the last this council definitely is they've raised the standard of development um for like our housing stock and our uh even the stuff along thirty two so I think they've done a good job of putting the bar way up high mm-hmm. um, what they what hasn't happened is the the long term economic development that you know like the businesses that come with that. Do you think when you do a comp plan, it's important to uh, be a building standard group as well, or do you think it needs to be more general and it's chasing what types of business or just outlining what do you think the comp plan entails? Or so, how detailed should it be?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I do think you need to you need to have minimums, to me, because mm-hmm. if you don't put at least minimums in there, then you don't know what you're going to get as a minimum. Mm-hmm. You need to have some of that, but I think you also need to leave yourself a little bit of flexibility because you know it's almost like technology in a way. What, what if you buy a new computer today? It's outdated in a couple of weeks. Yeah. If we set standards for what we think today is. How do we know what you know a year or two is going to look like, and are we going to have an outdated document again immediately?
0: Yeah.
1: If we want to make something that's going to have some longevity to it, I think we do need to have make sure we have minimums of what we want on everything and in, in certain specs. But at the same point, we need to leave ourselves some leeway that we can also work with different groups as we bring them in.
0: Do you think the the mayor or the administra- the mayor has to drive the vision of of the comp plan and economic development or do you think the council can actually take that and
1: drive it more so i think that to me that is the mayor's Mm -hmm. job um you know that that's their job we are a support mechanism in in that um you know but i've actually told some people at the same point in time though your council can definitely influence how that looks and works Mm -hmm. um you know just school system wise you know i think the easy example so school board's you know, true role is fiscal oversight and board policy at the same time, you know, you could question, okay, where does building a new school fit into that? Well, fiscal oversight side. Okay. So put it on the city perspective, the council's real role is kind of setting the policies and standards, and then also fiscal oversight, Mm -hmm. but how you handle those fiscal oversights or the policies, you can really dictate how are we investing our funds and where are we investing them and how are we executing that vision? and if you don't have all that aligning which i think we've seen a lot of here these last few years and not even pointing fingers just the ability to communicate across the board for everyone yeah. and you, that's where you really start to see kind of the degradation of stuff isn't working the way it should yeah. you know we're, we're seeing less and less response to anything we're seeing less and less people that really want to invest here and have the ability to go somewhere else whereas if we're all have a cohesive vision, which is going to be really driven by the mayor, which I think needs to include a lot of community input mm-hmm. and the council support it. Now we're all on the same page of where we're going to invest our dollars. Yeah. We're all on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish. So we can really have, you know, all of our arrows pointed in the same direction to get those goals done.
0: I think um, uh, years back, a previous council, the councilors were very engaged in the community and they were almost like the feelers. For how a vi- a plan was coming along, or the feedback mechanism for this for the mayor, yeah. and I think we've lost a lot, probably lost a lot of that, or we've probably lost a lot. We've lost a lot of communication in general, and yeah. I think it would be neat to see that where the mayor has this strong vision and pushing on it, the council even questioning it, not being perfect, yeah. uh, wants to be the support system, and then out selling it like a sales force and bringing back information. I think that would be cool. I think we can get a
1: lot done if we do that. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're right. It's not, it's not a hundred percent we're gonna agree all the time. Yeah. Like we should have questions, we should have debates. 100 percent I mean, you know, healthy conversation is gonna make everything better for everybody.
0: Couple of lawsuits. Right? <laughs> Maybe not that. <laughs> um, what is um what do you think? And you kind of touched on this, but when you're sitting in a, as a counselor, when you win and you're a counselor and you you're sitting there listening to projects come in. In the back of your head, only natural that you think from a school standpoint. And I know you'd like, you'll separate yourself as much as you can, but Mm -hmm. what are some things that you just are naturally going to be uh, looking for uh, as a school employee as
1: well? Yeah, you know, I I think a lot of it and a lot of it's already been approved. It's just home starts as a whole. Um, you know, what type of, I think we all have a vested interest to diversify our tax base. So what type of commercial properties are we getting in? Um, you know, but I always like to point out pretty much if it's Westfield and it's commercial, it's probably TIFT. Yeah. Um, so who's that really, you know, how's that helping all of us outside of it affects the referendum rate yeah. um, where we're at. So it, it's really, for me, it, it's, you know, I think the prime example I like to point to sometimes is the Osborne Trails Tiff that actually just passed, you know, a couple months ago. Um, And it's a 55 and older community. So people like to say, well, those kids aren't going to school. And I like to say, look at the age of some of our parents, they could be
0: Uh Um,
1: that it's not that I'm against putting a roundabout in that area. That's not it at all. Uh It's just when we look at the funding options we have as a city government, I don't know that a TIF funding option for that is the best option. So I think for me that that's where I would probably look at things a little bit different mm-hmm. as we work through these items is just, you know, I do believe I have a pretty strong background of how can we fund different things yeah. and how can we uniquely set up different funding structures to get it done. And, you know, again, I, I would be one voice of seven at yeah. that point. Um, but I think it's an important voice to stand up there and say if, if we're gonna do this, let, let's just think about the overlapping impact that this has on everybody. Yeah. Um, Or if we're not going to do something, let's think of the overlapping impact as well. And let's make sure we're exploring all of our options to get it done. Um, And and that's where, you know, when we look now, I, I think one area sometimes where we miss is you know, we have the finance committee now, which I think is a fantastic addition that needs to make sure it stays up. Yep. Um, I think what I would maybe like to see if if I were elected moving forward is as we talk about these projects, part of the finance committee conversation is how are we funding it and how are we structuring it mm-hmm. before it even gets to council?
0: Yeah. That
1: way, Once we get to council, we're having the conversation of, hey, the finance committee looked at this and we we totally agree with the fung- funding mechanism we're running down. Yeah, um, You know, I think there's, appropriate channels to have conversations on and it doesn't always necessarily need to be the prime time council meeting time it could be the the committee group having a lot of conversation and bringing a recommendation back to the council and you know getting those input from you know other community members or just even other makeups of who's on the finance committee
0: so you're kind of unique because um a lot of the argument when someone says you can't tiff anything get rid of all tiffs is the school's Mm-hmm. And you are not anti-TIF. I'm not going to say that you're blow blow them all out of the water, to, you know, TIF everything. But where do you see that as from a school st- for perspective, TIFFs can be okay?
1: Yeah, so I think so it's why. A, yeah, so to me, it's important to look at a TIFF and understand the long-term gains if we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And you have to quantify that to me in order to make it. So to me, there there are good TIFFs and there are bad TIFFs. Mm -hmm. Um, You're right. I'm I'm not anti-TIFF, but I promise you I'm not 100% pro-TIFF on everything either (laughs) because there is an impact when you do a TIFF. Um, So, I mean, I think a good example of a TIFF is like the North Point area. You had an area of farmland. It definitely needed infrastructure improvements to make it viable to be commercial property area. Mm-hmm. And you also then had the ability with the TIF in there to attract companies and help you know give them a, give them incentives to come. Mm-hmm. And that's super beneficial of a TIF. That that's to me the right way to use utilize a TIF. Um, you know, then you also have the TIF ability now to go TIF residential properties mm-hmm. because you want to improve the roadways in front of it or you want to you know do infrastructure improvements around it. I don't think that's the right way to use a TIF. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, there should probably be a home impact fee increase or something if we yeah. need to address that type of issue. Um, you know, I, I also think when we look around in general of just infrastructure, it's pretty easy to point out a map and say, hey, we're going to be growing over here and those roads don't fit so let's start thinking of that and, I, and I'm not saying they're not doing that now by any means you know I think I think a lot of those teams over there are working hard to do that mm-hmm. um I just don't think when we're talking about a tiff that that aligns to how you should fund those things there's there's many ways to get funding to do those projects and to me a tiff is not the answer um and then for me it, it's a long-term answer when you look at those pieces you know a TIF's 20 years, sometimes a little more. So it's where where are we today and where is this going to put us in 20 years? Mm-hmm. And let's run some numbers to make sure this makes sense because in the perfect world, when that TIF releases and it all comes back in 10, 20 years when it's gone and we're all in a better place and it it made things happen and it, it yeah. kind of like the gasoline to make that happen, then that's a perfect use 100% right. of the time. Um, but you know, I think we just need to make sure we're having those conversations before we do them. Yeah.
0: I think we, um, and this the world today, t- the TIF, and I know it's the hot word, but it's the, it's being done everywhere. To be competitive, you have to talk about them. And I feel like let's that twenty-year spaniard, for example, that you use, um, had we started using TIFs and not just no TIFs, when everyone else in Hamilton County was starting to do them, we'd be realizing some of that return very soon, if not already. Yeah. and so 20 years isn't that long for a lot of those for a, a city i mean it lasts forever right
1: yeah no i i agree and i think you know one of the pushbacks i've heard every once in a while on a tiff is just uh you know we're westfield people want to come here mm-hmm. and trust me i think westfield's great but a lot of people think carmel's great Noblesville's yeah. great she was great zions great like we are surrounded by communities that can stack up against us every day on yeah. the educational side the you know, living quality of life side and all those pieces. So we're competing with like peers. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not, we're not competing against necessarily the middle of nowhere with terrible schools. Yeah. Um, That's so pretty competitive. Yeah. And, and I agree. Like you have to have some tips in place in certain areas and make sure you can be a part of that and be competitive. Um,
0: if you were to go out, let's say you say you got to go out and get what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of economic development would you like to see in Westfield?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think when we look around, you got North Point and honestly, it's it's a relatively small area when you talk about kind of industrial growth. So I think we need to look at how do we kind of expand that space yeah. and, and whether it's right there or somewhere else. You know that to me, that's where you you get the community conversation of where, where do we want that type of growth to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, when we look around Grand Park, you know, one of the big conversations is people come here often. And then if you can't get a room in two hotels then you're staying in Carmel Fishers or Indy. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, they're not eating here. They're eating somewhere else. They're playing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So they're coming here to play a game and then they're leaving here immediately. And, you know, let's cross our fingers. They needed to get fast food, lunch, and maybe a tank of gas. Yeah. Um, so you're not getting the benefit from that. So how do we get people to stay in Grand Park and to, you know, come here and want to A, stay, have more, stay options, but also have more play options. So, you know, give them outside of birdies, what are you doing? Um, So I think that, and, you know, we had a community meeting at Viking Meadows the other night and somebody was talking about, you know, downtown. And to me, when I think about just city development as a whole across the board is the idea of only one downtown to me is kind of extinct. Um, You know, yes, we need to redo our 32 corridor and the drawings and stuff look amazing and we will definitely kind of have a downtown corridor. But then we also have the corridor that's going to have to probably develop at some point around Monon Trail. That's another great asset we have. We have the corridor that's going to need to develop around Grand Park, because that's the other major hub where people are. Mm Um, so we need to think differently about different areas and you end up with almost kind of like different community settings that you feel within those areas. Yeah. You know, I'm not ever going to sit here and say, I have all those answers. That's where I think, you know, more thoughts are more minds are better than one when we're working through those items and deciding what we want to do.
0: So grand park, where are we? Cause I, I'm, I was, I've been flipped by the way. I was a sell it, get rid of it. I hate that the city is owning this thing and it's not what it could be. And I'm I'm all, I'm all on. Let's keep it and make it better. Um, yep. How do you think it could be made better? What What are some thoughts in your head about what Grand Park can be, like specifically?
1: Yeah. So for me specifically, when you look at Grand Park, I, I think a I personally was never a huge sell it component just because it's four hundred acres controlled by one entity. Uh-huh. And <laughs> are you ever going to get that? Um, but with that, I think you also have a really u- unique option or opportunity now of. There are sections of Grand Park that are prime for commercial development yeah. that you have ownership of, at, meaning as a city. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we talk about wanting to go get somebody to develop something or to make something, and you know, I, I always think of like, you know, whether it's what Grand Junction Plaza is going to be where, you, you know, you're going to have kind of multi um, shopping facilities and then you have, you know, restaurants and just kind of a fun stay and play area. You're going to need to create that around Grand Park if you want people to stay and play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and you have land options available right there, whether it's within the 400 acres that you already own and you have some capability to maybe carve some off, mm-hmm. or whether it's the land that's owned by other developers currently around it. Yeah. Um, you know, what What I don't think a lot of people want to see is, you know, let, let's put another apartment complex there. I don't think that's getting us to many places. Well, I,
0: I hope we, because that's what's happening is we're it's going down the Town home apartment, because that's the only person that can afford to be there, really, and yep. we're running out of land, and it's kind of in the zoning already. so um it that just that peels my grape. I would love to see the city take some real control of it and put even if they have to make it, you know you know make it a fun place to be and force it, I think it'll it's sustainable, but don't you feel like it it we're gonna have to take back control of it almost uh, as a yes. city.
1: No, I, I think you're going to have to take back, uh, kind of control the growth of that area. But that also means you're going to have to, you know, control some of the sites in order to have that type of control as mm-hmm. well. Um, but no, so so we'll see where it goes. I, you know, I'll be honest, I'm on that committee, so I can't say too much oh, yeah. about anything. Um, but it's, I'm glad the process is being reviewed and we're taking well. the time to truly you know, do a formal process and and talk to everybody involved to get us to where it's a win for everyone.
0: Yeah. All right. So you said downtown, um, Grand Junction Plaza area. Uh, what do you what do you what would you like the city to keep doing down there? What kind of involvement? What kind of um, zoning? What would you like
1: us to do down there? Uh, parking would be nice to start. <laughs> I mean, I can't even get to a pizza place to save my life. Is the irony that it's called Park Street? It, <laughs> yes. <tells me. laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I think when you look at the old town development, that's going to go where Wolfies and everything used to be there. Like, how perfect is that? I mean, to have that type, you know. And, and I think it's you know when we talk about some of those standards or minimums, just looking at different areas, I think it's a balance of how great is that plus there is a lot of history in that area as well. So you have to balance that. And, and you know, I think you get really touchy there sometimes was, uh, you know, just across the board, but it, it's a balance of appreciating the past that's down there. Because I also like when I drive down in that area, you have the old bakery, yep. you know, that, and you get to look up and, you know, see that. And I think that's awesome history. Uh-huh. There. So it's, you know, how do you, if you're going to have new development, how do you make sure you complement the old mm-hmm. and keep make sure that that stays relevant um, but also make it a place where people want to go um, because, you know, like we talked earlier with the Westwood welcome thing, like my kids love going down there and having movies in the plaza when it's nice out and then yeah. how easy it is to walk. And uh, one of our favorites, sorry, is Chiba across the street. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but it, it's, you know, so you're, you're not, when you go down there with a family of five, like mine, you're not just going to a free park. You're You're going and spending 60 bucks to grab dinner as well mm-hmm. and coming back and sitting in the park. And then, you know, if it went well, I don't remember if um, the ice cream place is still there this next year or not, but you'd go it's get cone it too. from yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it's just the walkability of that's fantastic. And then yeah. the fact, you know, what I would love to see long term in Westfield as a whole, because we, you know, oftentimes I hear people say, Oh, we got trails everywhere. It's like, yeah, we do. As long as you don't have to cross a major roadway, you're doing great. <laughs> um so I would I would love it to get to a point from a young family's perspective to where I can actually safely take a trail to get down there and not have to drive down there because whether we, you know, no matter how many parking garages we get down there, it's a tight area realistically um, that you can get down there by bike or golf cart or whatever, and hang out with your family and, you know, grab a bite and hang out in the park and go home.
0: You know, I like those as we are a uh, diligent bunch because, you know, I'll drive that shuttle sometimes and people are trying to figure out how to get downtown easily. I mean, they're, they're walking, they're hopping curbs. They got little kids are dragging across busy roads. So yeah. people want to do it, absolutely. Uh, but it, it would be nice to be very connected and, and comfortable free flowing. Do yeah. you want density down there? You think it'd be cool to have, uh, young professionals and apartment buildings and corporate buildings and things like that down there.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would want super density of commercial, like in the sense of like headquarters there, just, mm-hmm. I would rather keep it kind of fun and playful mm-hmm. in that area. And that's not saying I want to be dense with shopping or some other areas that you could get into. Um, you know, I know people don't want to be Carmel, but I think it's not bad to look at what they've done well. And yeah. you look at some of their density, you have a parking garage in every spot. Like if you're going to go to a parade in Carmel, you can find parking. Yeah. Uh, you to go to the farmer's market, you can, or play You can find parking pretty easy. So I think that's where that's been done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I would like to see more of some of the like headquarter density outside of that region. So you leave it kind of a, a fun play area or unless it's, you know, above the shops you're on and you might have a couple, you know, corporate smaller type headquarters up there, or just office space up there.
0: You know, you, um, do you think a lot of this is just cause we're, we're a new city. We don't have a lot of money. Um, like the parking garage thing It all, it, the parking keeps coming up over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it needs to be more of a priority or do you think it's just been on, you know, unattainable so far?
1: I think it needs to be a priority. Um, You know, in, in the fairness to those before us, I think, you know, you could, and it it has been, it's been built in Carmel before because you still had space, but that space is running out there. So it's going to naturally keep progressing North. And I think it's time to make sure we have all of our ducks in a row so we can take maximum advantage of what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're you're running out of space to go in those areas to where the natural progressions to come north um and, and I think it's also tricky in how we have to figure out of uh, monon is on the west side of 32 but we're trying to make the awesome hub on the east side of 32. Yep. so and you know it wasn't until I literally lived in that area for the last six months in an apartment that I realized what the connectivity was actually on like 150 you know, or 169th there, or, you know, the underpass street by the Mazda dealership and how you could kind of get over from the Monon side without going under 32 and 31. And it's, uh-huh. it, it's, it's not easy to figure out what the connectivity actually is. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it can be done, but there needs to be some intentionality put into it. Mm-hmm. Some true focus on, you know, have we ever actually talked to the people who ride the Monon every day yeah. and how they think they can get around? Do they know? You know, what and, you know,
0: we're, and we're familiar and it's, it can be challenging a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, I always sit with the parking. I always say, have your spouse drive you downtown sometime instead yeah. of you who work here or whatever, driving. Yeah. It. Cause they're all so familiar. Um, oh, yeah, if, if you're not familiar, it's hard to get from the Monon trail to Westfield sometime to
1: downtown. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, before I lived here, I rode my bike all the way here one time and got lost in that section. And I'm like, I work here every day and I can't figure out where I'm at. Lost. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's it can get tricky without, you know, just something as simple as spending a couple hundred dollars on some signs. Yeah. You know, even maybe, you know, coding our, our walkways to where you see a sign of how to get somewhere on, painted. Okay. I think, you know, there's some simple solutions, I think that could make it more attainable for people to get there. Because I think we all agree parking's a problem, but we all also know parking's not going to be answered overnight. Yeah. Each. So even with, you know, the parking garage that's supposed to go in with the new development, that those number of spaces are great. I mean, nobody's going to complain about that, but it's not going to solve it. Yeah.
0: And I so, don't think people realize when when they go to Carmel, there's seven parking garages yep. and it would take it's going to take a long time to have parking. Even if they did one garage here, it's still going to be too far for everything else. Yeah. So there's always going to be those pains. Agreed. Um, All right. So if you win, what would be exciting? What are you excited about for Westfield uh, as a counselor, as a resident, as an employee? Uh, You are truly a work, play, live Westfield guy. So what would be exciting to you?
1: I think it's the future possibilities and just being involved in that and and being, hopefully being seen as a level-headed person that will listen to all the sides and not bicker and not argue or not sue somebody, but just You know, I I, I like to joke, and I think on our first podcast we talked about it. Like you and I literally met because you posted how stupid. So like we met that way, and we called you in, had the conversation. Uh huh. You scared me. Yeah, it was you know (laughs) super intimidating. As I mean, but Uh so I mean, like I always joke, Facebook's not a platform for discussion. Uh Like I think you need to have that face to face because you know. I know there's stuff you and I don't agree on. And yeah. that's cool. But I also think we've built a level of respect. Like we'll listen to each other. Yeah. Talk about right. it, and I think at the end of the day, you end up with better solutions. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I hope to bring that to the council because sometimes I think we get, you know, we have trouble sometimes, I think looking at groups who we may not always agree with and be like, that's actually a really good idea. Uh-huh. Regardless of maybe there are other ideas I don't agree with. That's a really good one. And we should yeah. do that. Like we've lost the ability to do that. And I think it's sad. So I, I think- you know, I want to help be one of those people for the community. I want to help be one of those people that can stand back just with my finance background on a fiscal body and be like, hey, we all agree we should do this. Now, let, let's talk about some different ways we could probably structure this and let's, let's bring in the city's finance team and all their members and let, let's walk through this to where we can all agree on a way that we're going to get it done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying we don't have that today, but I, I think my concern moving forward is when we look at just the backgrounds yeah. of running, like what, what do we want to see in our council? And I, I hope people take time to think about that and yeah. think about what type of backgrounds they want to see, because there's, there's a lot, of lot of great people running. There are, uh, and we all have very different backgrounds as well. So, you know, this
0: has been one of the, um, I don't know if this is like our third or fourth, uh, council election, third, maybe. Um, I would say this is the most active and busiest council uh, election because there's the most qualified. It's a bunch. It seems like it's a bunch of nice people that want to help. Yeah. And so I think that's cool. But you're right. If we need to go a little bit past that we like our neighbor and we need to do some research on them. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Brian. Where can people follow you? Where, uh, do you have events? Do you have a Facebook page? What are you doing?
1: Yeah, so I have a Facebook page, Tom and Michael for Westfield. Um, and then I also have uh, a website, Tom and Michael for Westfield, as well. So both of those are up. Um, you know, I try to stay pretty active on Facebook and I joke like, I'm a, I'm a low budget campaign, so comments are posted by me. Um, you know, I'm gonna tell you what I think, and I'm not gonna hide it. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to those discussions with people. It's you're
0: responsive if someone has a question; you're, they're free to post and ask absolutely. you. Absolutely, yep,
1: absolutely. So, oh. so yeah, Facebook website; those are the main two ways. And you know, looking forward to. I'm a little late to the walking game, so getting ready to walk here in the next um, few days and get out there. So hopefully, I'll see a lot of people that way as well.
0: Cool. Well, thank you very much for doing the podcast. I appreciate it.